good. So um, let's keep going. Um, so it's kind of it's me one man show today. I'm here to talk to. You. Uh, so yeah, yeah. This is this is the first course, guys. Um, it kind of the Ellie story in some ways is sort of a segue um, to just our approach to like you know like there's a way for us to uh, kind of be here information being like yeah I know, know the gig like you know. Like, yeah, I know my home, I know homeschool, let's go and sit through work. It's kind of like for us, like, maybe, like, mentally, like, walk outside, turn around, face door, and, like, enter into another year of formation together. Because these talks, um, they aren't just, like, talks, like, your lectures in school. You know, which, which are really good for you personally, because you need to pass that class. So you pay attention, you take notes, right? But these talks are different in a way, because they're actually here to, like, shape our experience and our year together. Right? Like, we as a people are journeying through this year together. We're committed as a body together to, one, be transformed by the Lord and be brought together in unity and also for a purpose, for a mission on campus, right? And how we dig into this context. So there was a, uh, there was a brother who was recently gra who graduated, but he, we did on that survey like each, in each semester about like formation and household and you rated. And he gave, uh, he gave like a middle school formation. He was like, formation's great, worship's awesome. You want to say the talks were good, but I don't know how applicable they were. And then, like a few columns later, he like wrote another response where he gave it like the higher score. And he was like, "So actually, my house and I just had a conversation about like the talk and like how to apply it, and just like broke open the content for us and made so much more sense. And I think it's really applicable and good." And it's like, "Oh wow!" It's like a secret ingredient here. It's like so. What we're talking about here, like how do you take this from like. It's not just supposed to be getting like nice head knowledge, cool stuff to learn, but actually breaking this open in our houses, in our small groups, with our brothers and sisters, and like digging into this because it actually can shape our lives. And the Lord has that for us. Does that make sense? Me. So it's not just again, not just fun talk. I'm not here to entertain you, although some people are more way entertaining than me. I acknowledge that really and confidently. Um, but there is something deeper going on here than just uh, being entertained every other Thursday night. There's something the Lord wants to shape in us. Sound good? That's what I said. Yeah, so you got your outlines. It's uh, it's two pages. It's kind of annoying. You got to pass those out. Yeah. So, I wish it was two pages, but it's three. You got to deal with that. Um, living as sons and daughters of God. It's like, yeah, great John. Um, probably heard this topic before. Living as sons and daughters of God. Okay, what's going to happen today that's going to blow my mind? Um, that's uh, actually not, not the point. Let these get passed out. Um, what we're trying to do here on the outset is to get like a common, like you look at it in the same direction together. Start the year on solid footing. We've heard a lot of talks so far, but this formation program, like with our, we're going to establish our theme, and then we're going to build on it. There's actually tangible things that we're going to start incarnating and living out of that are going to take us through this year together. So we're going to be kind of circling back some things you, you definitely have heard before, but the good news is we're talking about something that has like like awesome simplicity but infinite depth, right? So a couple of things I was um, I was thinking about um, right the, the fact the fact is the closer we get to the Lord, like the more we know Him, the more we realize how much we don't got it. Like, that might be a division thing, like, the holder you get, the holder you feel, it's actually the opposite. If you read saints, like, the closer they get to the Lord, the more they realize their, like, insufficiency. The more they realize, like, apart from God, like, they can't do anything, right? 
So it's actually like, and then they don't despair in that because they know the Lord and his goodness and they trust him. It's, a, it's that faith, right? That actually like is, is accelerated and deepened because they realize how much they need the Lord. And so I mean, 1 John 1.8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I know sometimes as we're growing so rapidly, it feels like I'm ascending the mountain. I'll be there in no time. But the fact is we never really like completely get there. In this life, it's and that's not like a burdensome setting. Now, there's like death increase, yes. There's joy increase, yes. There's freedom increase, yes. Like all those things happen and are unfolding in our life as God transforms us, right, from an interior side level to exterior. But the fact is, we don't really ever graduate from like doing something silly. So as we embark on this, I just want to encourage us as a people to not take ourselves so seriously sometimes, right? Like the Father knows where we're at. And he doesn't want us to take ourselves too seriously. Now, obviously, there's a level of, like, yeah, I want to grow. I'm going to prioritize this. But if we take ourselves too seriously, we rob ourselves of the whole kind of fun of the journey, right? It's like it's like uh, being on a road trip and just, like, getting there. It's like, we're not going to stop to pee. We're not, there's Bucky's. We're not going to stop at Bucky's. No. We're going no. forward. No. It's, it's horrible to not stop at Bucky's. But if we can sometimes in our life have that attitude of, like, we're just marching and there's no room for silliness. But actually, we don't have to take ourselves that seriously. We can enjoy the ride because the Lord's got this. Okay? Amen. Um, so, and this is, uh, we're talking today about, um, like, our story. It's really establishing our story, right? And our story, like, uh, Cliff Notes, uh, which is a spoiler alert, I guess, is we are adopted sons and daughters of God, right? And there's, there's, there's a permanent reality to that that is stamped into us by our baptism. Right? Like, it doesn't matter what you do or how many times you do it. You are God's son and you are God's daughter. Right? That is, period. But there's also this reality to it about this becoming more of that. Right? And the image I had was like Simba. Who's seen Lion King? Ever seen Lion King? Yeah, it's like, I know it's probably kind of old. The Lion King, amazing movie because it's so true and there's so much depth to it. But it's like basically internal story, but it's a story like Simba was king, right? Simba was the king, but he was out king with Buds Tona Pumba, right? Like Akuna Matata, you know, like, no responsibility, do what you want. But he was the king. And it was like he was shirking responsibility and people were suffering for it. And when he kind of turned and started to embrace that identity, remember like Mufasa and Thal, like remember who you are. You are my son. You know, you remember that oh, yeah. oh, yeah. And uh, so that's when he, like the, the, the whole thing starts shifting. Right? He starts acting like the king. And like when he started making that decision, it wasn't like he was like a perfect king right away. It's that he had to become that. So same way with us. We are sons and daughters. We are like priest, prophet, king. That we become more of that as we cooperate with the Lord's grace. So that's kind of what I want to start us off with as we launch in. Good. Um, yeah. So here we go. You look at your outline. We're, we're, starting, we're starting with the good stuff. We're starting with God's plan for the human race. Right? Yeah, where else would we start, right? God's plan. His original purpose, right? Adam and Eve created in the image and likeness of God. You see, you have Genesis right there on your outline. I think you do, right? It's there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's at the top. So, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth. Every creepy thing that creeps upon the earth. So God made man in his own image. In the image of God, he created man. 
male and female. So in the very beginning, we see that mankind is created to be like God. To be like God. His very image and likeness. There's something that divine stamped into our very nature, right? And to be with him forever. To actually represent, represent the Father on this earth. That was our that was our original purpose, to represent the Father on this earth. Um, but we know what happened next because we, we rejected God as Father, we rejected his role as King, as Lord, as God, and we stepped outside that higher, right? And through sin, death entered the world. And what's really interesting here is actually even death in itself, we can see God's kind of plan even unfolding there in the very moment we fell, when death entered the equation. Because you see, eternal beings, like angel, angelic beings, they get one choice. Their one choice is made and it's like final for eternity. So like humans can't repent. But actually by allowing death into the world, it gives us human beings time to repent because the story isn't over yet, right? Because we're not yet like, like we, we will live forever, but because there's death, there is this still like changeability to our nature, right? This becoming can happen. It's not just like all the way there. So even the act of death is God allowing us an opportunity to choose him, right? So our focus on earth, our journey on life is actually towards him, away from sin, away from what drives us away, towards the Lord, towards transformation. So again, but even then, we know that God didn't just leave us to figure out how to get back to him. He gave us his son, Jesus, right? Jesus came, image of God, Himself, right? Holy God, holy man. It says, and this is actually the uh, Second Timothy one nine through ten. It is our theme, called with a holy calling. Scripture verse says, God saved us and called us with a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and the grace which He gave us in Christ Jesus ages ago, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I encourage you guys to dig into that a little bit, particularly the part God saved us and called us with the Holy Calling, not because of our works. Like, none of us are here because we have big resumes. None of us are here because we're particularly this or that. God saved us because of his love for us. Right? We did not earn it. It just happened. And then that true thought fits in your life and things look different. Um, but we know, again, where Adam the first man failed, and Jesus took the true completion to across the finish line. So, so Jesus came to fulfill God's original purpose for the human race, right? It wasn't looking good. It wasn't going well. Jesus came to actually help us recover what was lost, which was to make us the type of people who can represent, represent the Father on earth, to bring about his kingdom, right? His rule and his reign. So that is what Jesus came to do, is to establish that work in us. And we're given this new life, right? New life, turning the page, like now it can work. Before it was impossible, now we can work because of Jesus. Before it could have been just like kind of groping through a dark room. Now, in a way, the lights are on. Like we can see the risen Lord. We can see what love looks like. We know, and it's not just we see him, that his power is actually inside of us by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Which has been given to us. So that's a big deal. Um, again, this, this, this holy calling which God has called us to work in Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit to be what? Sons and daughters. Be son that our identity is changed, right? We're adopted into God's family. We are actually part. So our identity and our purpose are fundamentally changed. Our identity and our purpose are fundamentally changed because of this. And this is funny because it's like we were talking about this, and you're like, yeah, John, 
I kind of experienced that and know that a little bit. But it's, the fact is, it's, um, we're not supposed to grasp this entirely. Something's supposed to unfold in our life. So this is where faith comes in. Because faith bridges the gap from like, okay, I don't really feel like that's true, but then like the knowledge of claiming it, like, well, it's revealed by God, right? So on one hand, I got something revealed by God. On the other hand, I have my experience. What fills the gap? It's faith. It's saying, yeah, Lord, it doesn't feel that way, but I'm going to say that's right because you're God and I'm not, and that's all I got right now. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief kind of thing, right? And I'm going to start trying to live like that's true. And in that, we find the power. And in that, we actually find God like, filling in the gap himself. So, new identity, new purpose. Um, question I wrote down here, with our new identity, like, that we are actually sons. That the God of the universe has our backs. Like, we are actually daughters. That the Father of all creation delights in us individually. And because of that, there's a new purpose to our life. If we knew that, what would we risk? Like, what would be easy to risk now? Right? If, like, we knew the story was going to work out for us. There's this movie called, like, Big Fish. Uh, I saw it a long time ago. But what stuck out to me about it was the main character, like, I think he saw how he was going to die and, like, be in the movie. And so the rest of the movie, when, like, crazy things would happen, he would, like, get really afraid, and then he would remember, this isn't how it ends. And he would be able to, like, approach the situation in, like, clarity and peace. It was pretty cool. Sometimes in our life, it's so worked out. The end of the die. We gotta realize, like, no, no, the Father's got this. This isn't how it ends. And then we can, like, that's how, like, our identity can, like, change our circumstances, our approach, even here and now. This isn't the final say, right? And even on this earth, it's not the final say. So, and it's important to say, too, that, like, like, Christ didn't just save us from sin and death, He saved us for a purpose. So, like, we were in a river drowning, right? It wasn't going well for us. Like, we were trying to figure out our own anxiety, like, like confusion was when well. Christ saved us from the river. It'd be really easy to say, like, that would be enough in a way, right? Like, I was drowning, and now I'm not drowning. That's great. But Christ actually gives us a new identity and a new purpose alongside that. Not just saving, but a new identity and a new purpose that we live out of that unfolds in our life. So, we are actually in Christ. We have a relationship with the Father because of Jesus, right? We can, we can lean into that. And this is Galatians 4 might be in your outline. It says, when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because we are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So through God, you are no longer a slave, but a son, if a son, then an heir. That one mind, Father, like, what's contained in that is the entirety of all reality, right? This cry from the heart to know God, creator as father, changes the entire game, changes our entire circumstance. Like, we don't even know. We can't even begin to just taste a part of that. Then when we actually start to act into it in faith, we begin to see that fully and working in our lives. So, what this means is our identity no longer has to be wrapped up in, like, success versus failure, Right? It doesn't get the final say. Like the power and prestige we can like give in our life. To be an influencer is not the highest goal, right? There's something more meaningful than that. Uh, it's not, our identity's not in our boyfriend or girlfriend, eventually husband and wife. It's not even in the personal satisfaction we feel. It's wrapped up in this greater story, this greater reality that we can actually receive more joy, more peace, and more meaning, way beyond what we can conjure up on ourselves. So, 
Yeah. That's good. I'm going to keep moving. Um, what I want to say is this, this idea, it actually it helps us face a wide range of situations. Like all the way, like I said, to like the big questions in life. Like what am I going to risk for? What am I going to serve for? Like what is my purpose? They're all the way into like the tiny little things that happen to us every single day, right? Um, so when we actually start to handle the ups and downs of life as a son or a daughter, things change. So for instance, an example here. says, it means the next time your roommate leaves dishes out, you just wash them instead of yelling at them, right? It says, the next time someone overlooks your contribution or snubs you in conversation, you forbear it instead of harboring a grudge, right? Because we know our, we don't, we're not tied up into it. The next time a classmate or sibling or someone who annoys you, like, leaves himself open for humiliation, you build them up. You choose their benefit, their welfare. Because we're not trying to like, like measure up and like position ourselves better than others. So we just keep breathing. This is the kind of stuff that happens interiorly, transformation that happens. So the message through all of scripture is that we can become such people. We can become like Christ. Right? That is the message, that is the invitation of scripture, that this interior transformation is for us and can happen. So with God's doing in all this, he's giving us this new identity, this new purpose, actually this power to accomplish that. What he's doing in that is he's trying to form a certain type of people, right? A people who can represent him to the world, to bring his kingdom back to him. in partnership with him, to take responsibility. So what I want to say is God's original, God's original plan is restored in Christ. But to live it, we have to become mature in Christ. This gets back to the whole idea of growing into something. If Simba has, yes, Priest, prophet, king, like Simba as king, son, but growing into that ourselves. So us in this room right now, like, let's be honest, like, how long have you been following the Lord, like, with an intentional decision? Like, three, maybe five years? Like, we're like, we're, we're kind of starting out, right? And maybe there's been longer, praise God, but we, we are just starting out. So, so to think that our, like, we've reached some sort of level and height of maturity is actually shows that we're, like, not there, because part of maturity is this striving. And not striving for our, like, kind of make things work and be perfect, but this, like, Lord, I want more. This, like, thirst, I guess would be a better way to describe it. This thirst for more. Like, Lord, you can do it. There's more for me here. So what happens here is when we start, maturity comes and we start stop trying to change other people and start really focusing on, Lord, how do you want to change me? I'll say it again. Maturity starts to come when we stop trying to change other people. And, Lord, how do you want to change me? But how can I cooperate with your grace today? So... Again, when we're reborn in Christ, we become sons and daughters. But we're just little babies. We don't want to stay little babies. We want to mature. We want to grow, right? We want to take responsibility. And what's great about this, this is all different. This, this maturation process, this growth, it's way different than self-help. And self-help is so intoxicating as an idea. And it's like some kind of billion, some billion dollar industry. Because it taps into this, our hardwired, how we're hardwired, which is we want to grow. We know who we are right now is not where we want to be. And the world can offer us all these different ideas, ideas of power, ideas of how to get your way, right? how to like make it happen yourself. But we know that this Christian life is actually more of like us cooperating with grace and surrendering our lives to the Lord of all. Right? So it's different than self-help. So it's not just like me making myself, but this is surrender and it's more joyful. It's less like, like accusatory. Right? It's more free. It's more. It allows for more stops and buckets. It's actually pretty yeah. fun. So, um, good. 
we're here to grow to something that is to take responsibility, right? So when we handle the various situations in life, like God would, like the Lord would, we're actually living in maturity. So when we seek to handle situations in life that arise, like the Lord would, we're growing in maturity. And the key there is that we're not looking to change circumstances. We're looking to just approach them like the Lord would. Now sometimes there's ways for us to get ahead of things, like um, if you're really tired every morning, maybe like you can learn how to go to bed earlier, right? Some things we can change with situations. But some things we can't, right? And instead of us trying to like change the situation, like this is broken, this is broken, I'm gonna change all of it because it's stupid, but actually us realizing that situation is what it is, and how can I, like as a son or daughter of the father, enter in that situation and make it better? Like that's the mindset shift, right? Good, so, yeah. Here's the thing, um, this isn't just like some kind of easy automatic process where it's like we, uh, yeah, it's not like we plop on a conveyor belt in the Christian life and it just kind of takes us there. We actually have some enemies that pull us back, that pull us ready to divert attention, right? So this transformation in us, that God has accomplished in us the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? It has obstacles, it has difficulties, it has enemies. And um, so this is, uh, this is Galatians 5, we've read it before, but for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you would. Now the works of the flesh, flesh are plain. Fornication, purity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, party spirit, uh, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Right? This is what's laid before us. And uh, I love this party spirit. You guys probably heard me say this before, but I had a buddy one time who was like, uh, he's talking to his like, uh, mentor. He was like, hey, uh, yeah, I really think on this campus there's like a really big like, party spirit. He was like, mm, yeah, why don't you think that means? He's like, you know, like going out on the weekends and like, woo! He's like, no, that. That actually means it's like political parties, like factions. Like that's what that means. It doesn't mean like party on the weekend. Like party spirit is not partying on Chittenden. It's uh, that's that's you know, somewhere else on the list. Um, it's uh, it, the party spirit is like factions, like this camp versus that camp. That's not how this works, right? So this is the concrete, visible reality, the visible reality the Lord is about in us. That actually, instead of fornication, impurity, and licentiousness, that it would be replaced with love. Right? That he would plant love in our hearts. As we act in love the way that we become loving people. Right? That instead of enmity, strife, and jealousy, there would be peace in our relationships. Right? That instead of anger, there would be kindness and patience towards one another. Like these are the kind of people we can become. Amen? It was good. So. That, isn't that, don't we want to be those kind of people, right? Isn't that what we're striving for? This is actually like the heart of the work the Lord wants to accomplish in us. And what's great about this is we're just young. Like my, you know, we've flown over three years. Um, you're like as old as Roland is in human years in the Christian life. And let me tell you, Roland right now uh, just got potty trained. Come on. Yes. Like we talked about. But he, uh, I walk outside the patio on Tuesday and there's just massive puddle. 
And Ellie's like, we're going to pee. And I was like, well, it's not bad to pee outside as a boy. Um, but this is not the place to do it, rolling, rolling the bushes. So it's like, the father's not messing up. That's true. Sometimes in spiritual life, we like you're three years old, you make a mess. You go to the wrong spot, right? Everybody looks like in spiritual life. You can be And the father's not like, stupid, you idiot. Like, you know, like always the bathroom. It's like, no, like, there's bushes. You know? Like, it's too creative here. It's, it's not as black and white as you think, right? Some things are black and white, but some things in spiritual life aren't. We're really hard on ourselves. It's like, how would you know how to handle that situation? Like, why are you so hard on yourself? The father isn't, like, rubbing your nose in it right now. He's just saying, like, hey, try the bushes next time, right? So sometimes in the spiritual life, we get so, so like, caught up in this transformation that we think we have to be this person, like, tonight or tomorrow morning we wake up, that we're not going to be. So we need this patience with ourselves because it's the father's voice who speaks us encouragement to keep going onward, right? He knows it's not perfect. He's not expecting perfection. It's like, with Ellie, I don't expect perfection with Ellie. If she messes up, I'm not, like, thinking of ways to kick her out of the house, right? It's like, it crossed my mind, I can say Right? But it's like, how do we, like, she's five, of course it's going to be rocky. But she, I see growth and I delight in small things, right? That's what the Father does with us as we grow, as this inner transformation of our character takes place. So, good. Um, what time we got? 840. Good. So we're going we're to go into the third section here. I'm going to get a little more into our enemies. And then I got five out of principles of spiritual growth, and then we're done. Sound good? Okay. So, enemies. This is, this is the mentioned material. Um, so I'm sure there's some place this happens for you guys as well. But it's just really good to talk about this on the front end. Uh, what is working against us? Scripture talks about four obstacles for enemies. The first one is just our own sinfulness. And I think we've talked about some, some ways to get over that one is Christ has come to transform us on an interior level, right? To change our hearts. And two, how we can safeguard against that too is against despair. Realizing that being too hard on ourselves and expecting perfection will cause us to like quit and get really angry. But it's not the point. It's way more fun than that. When we like quit, we're quitting Bucky's. Because when we get out of the car, we can't go to Bucky's. Then we want, we know we want to stay because uh, there's there's joy there, actually. It's not becoming joyful. We know that something might be off in our approach. Like the father's encouragement is is how he sees us might be getting lost. That's really the key, the linchpin to the whole process, right? The adopted sons and daughters know what that is. But that's the first obstacle is our own sinfulness. The second one is the world, right? And we know, again, when we say the world, it's not like material creation because God made material creation good. We talk about the world, we're talking about um, the system of values, desires, and relationships which are opposed to the kingdom of God. So again, it's, desi- it's values, desires, and relationships. First uh, John says, we know that we are of God, and the whole world is in the power of the evil one. He's not means like, world bad, us good. He means the system and powers, this culture of the world, this way of the world is what he's talking about, right? So the world has, the world has shaped our values. The values are who or what you despise or celebrate. So think about it. So the world has taught us that we should value people of certain popularity, right? We should value people of, like, put on pedestals. We value people for their good looks, perhaps their academic success, right? But the truth is that each person, because they're made in the image lines of God, have inherent value. That, like, just because you're an Instagram influencer doesn't make you better, right? It doesn't make you, like, higher character, right? And what we celebrate are actually people who have character, right? We, as God's people in the kingdom, we celebrate people of character. Right? That's what we strive after, and that's what we uphold. That's what we, uh, that's what we look at, look up to. Our desires. The world has shaped our desires. Desires are what you want to have and become. 
So think about it. the world has taught us that we should pursue happiness and money or stuff, right? That's just one example of how the world can shape our desires. Like, this is what you want. Like, this is what will make you secure. If you have, like, this type of house, with this type of income, with 2.1 kids, with this type of retirement, you will be secure and you will be, like, totally fine, right? That's kind of what's held out. And we know that's not the case, right? The truth is, our desires were made for the Lord and they can only be fulfilled in Him. Our desire for security, right, can only be found in the Lord, right? Our desire for significance can only be found in the Lord. Our desire for acceptance can only be found in the Lord. Relationships, right? This is um, loving by preference. So the world has taught us to love according to what we can get out of situations. Like, I'll be here as long as, like, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, we'll be cool, and then at some point we'll part. But we know that actually the truth is that Christ set an example for us by laying down his life, not just for his friends, yes, but for his enemies, right? He took it beyond uh, and died on the cross for us. So all that to say, the world has its own culture, right? It has its own values, has its own desires and relationships that it's trying to give to us. And the fact is cultures cultivate. Cultures cultivate a certain type of people. So we as Christians want to be weary of what is influencing us. What is influencing our perspective? Is it these values that are placed out there um, by the world? Or is it a biblical worldview? Uh, second thing is the flesh. We know the flesh well. Um, if you haven't named it, you, you know it well. Because it's, this, it's how our human nature operates separated from God. It's like the lazy part of us. It's the I don't want to part of us. It's like, is that really worth it part of us? It's like, I want to seek my comfort. I need to get me my time. And it actually puts us in rebellion against God. So it looks like our, it could be our physical appetites, our emotions, our speech. These can be contrary to what the Lord has for us. Um, Romans 8 says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. What it's saying here is that when we're just seeking my kingdom and myself, we can't please God because what pleases God is obedience. Right? We can't, the scripture says, it's pretty like, you read it all the way through, what pleases God is obedience. It's that simple. Right? To say, yes, Father, what do, what do we got? Like, we know he is good for us, and that's why obedience is sparked from this relationship as identity as son and daughters. We know the Father who he is. Obedience is easy. It's like, why wouldn't I obey this guy? Right? If you have a coach who loves you and has your best interest in mind, they'll be like, hey, we're going to do this kind of workout. And you'd be like, sick, come on. And how much more the Father in heaven who knows and loves us says, hey, like, this is helpful for you. It's good to go to Mass on Sunday. It's like, check, on it. Like, you just, you just obey, right? So, um, Galatians 5. Walk by the Spirit, do not gratify the desires of the flesh, the desires of the flesh against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit against the flesh, these are opposed to each other, the truth of doing what you will. So, God's will, God will change us if we let Him, right? We'll transform our flesh, if we begin to surrender our lives to Christ, and we cooperate with the transforming work of His Holy Spirit. The last one is the devil. Um, this is really getting at, like, the spiritual battle is not just good versus evil, it's God versus the evil one, right? That's the spiritual battle. Um, these aren't like equal and opposite powers. It's not like, who's going to win? We know who wins. And we still have to engage this battle, right? Because the evil one still has, um, he has like, power in our time, right? He's a defeated foe, but he still has the ability now to roam the earth. So, Satan is opposed to God, and to us, is people. God's people. Um, he's the father of lies, we read in John 8. Um, so, what, how does the evil one work? How does it operate? Usually in, like, lies and accusations are the main way we, we, uh, we hear it. Like, these lies can kind of be like, ah, oh, you won't be that big of a deal, just do it. You know, you feel better afterwards. And then we do it and we don't feel better afterwards. Like, that was a mistake. 
Um, accusations. Like, who do you think you are? You call yourself a Christian? You're disgusting. Like, if only your friends knew what you did, they would totally disown you. Those are accusations. That is the evil one injecting, trying to rip away at us. And how we fight those? We fight those in the authority of Jesus, right? We know that we can say, in Jesus' name, like, get out of your city. Like, um, like, the Father, like, doesn't matter what I do, I have to do what the Father loves me. And I'm securing his love right now. Like, yes, that was a bad idea, but I am a son, I am a daughter. Like, I am secure. Right? We, we actually know that the name of Jesus has spiritual power in those moments. Um, spiritual battle is not just something going on out there. It's like, yes, it is, but it's also in our hearts. Right? It's a battle for our hearts. So being vigilant of these lies and accusations can be really helpful. Really cool thing to practice in household, actually. So if we're, like, really anxious, we're, like, not doing well, and we talk to a brother or sister, like, we can actually grow and, like, identify, like, hey, what you just said there was a total lie. Like, like I just like I just know like if I don't like give this class like if I don't make an A in this class I'm like not like it's not gonna work out for me I'm not gonna get into med school I'm not gonna get to like whatever looking at that it's like well pause like that's a lie like you're putting all this pressure in the situation that actually maybe isn't true actually you do well I'm not sure but is this gonna like dictate the rest of your future no right it's like cast that out and be in peace that God's got this right so the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So we can cooperate in that even here and now. Good. Those, those are our enemies. Um, might be good to dig in those in small group. We have some great questions for your small group leaders, so we can, we can walk you through it. But last thing, I'm going to go quick here, and these are these are just some uh, some uh, five keys of spiritual growth. Um, first one is this new light idea. Like growth comes from the inside, right? To see what is most real. So each one has a scripture verse that might be good to pray through in a personal prayer time. Uh, see if maybe one sticks out more than others. But we have here from Romans 6, just as Christ was raised from the dead and by the glory of the Father, we too walk in newness of life. Right? The old has gone away. There's a new power available to us. There's a new identity and a new purpose that we can step into. If we don't know what it is, we can say, Lord, I want more of that new identity to be in my life. I want more of that purpose to be in my life. Communion. Back to his active relationship with God produces change. Second Corinthians. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. So if we want to become more like the Lord, we spend time with him. If we want to become more like the Lord, we spend time with him. That's how it works. There really is no shortcut. There's no easy button. Like, so to be mature, to be a lifelong disciple, you spend time with them every single day, right? No matter what that is. And uh, so it says here, if you want your life to change, this is the way. Spend time with Jesus every day. Allow him to work in you to change every area of your life. So being transformed is actually a consequence of encountering the living God in prayer and experience. And, um, and it's his work in us. It's how he operates. So, Fred. Um, so I think too, with, with all of us here, like we've heard this before, Doug, Johnny, Fred. But some of us maybe have a hard time with it. Maybe we're perfectionists. Maybe we're like, okay, I've heard like 30 minutes, 30 to 60 minutes is kind of a great goal. I can only do like 15. So when I can do 30, I'll start praying. Run. Like, start somewhere. You know? Start somewhere. And maybe like you have 30 minutes laid out. Awesome. Maybe like you have like a group project infringing on that and you can't do a whole 30 minutes because you guys are meeting early in the morning or something like that. Like make the time. Just do what you can. 
Don't just say, I can't do three minutes, so I'll do nothing. Like, do what you can there. So don't let perfectionism get in the way of this, right? So we all have ideas where we want our prayer life to be. Like, I want to sit down, and I just want to sit there and, like, be in, like, ecstasy, knowing that God is my Father, and just sit there for 30 minutes with, like, this blissful knowledge. Like, it's not how it's going to work. Right? Maybe that will happen sometimes. Praise God. It's a gift. Contemplation happens, right? But most of the time, it's us kind of rowing, and God shows up as we row. Because it's kind of us, I look at prayer sometimes as like us getting a canoe and trying to like find the current. And sometimes I'm in some kind of weird like part of the lake or river, there is no current. Maybe it's like this weird day. I'm just kind of like in a circle. It's like, well, God, I tried. He's like, you did. I delight in that. You know? Like that's what he had to do that day. Great. And like maybe something else happened that day that kind of makes it make more sense. But some days I'm like, I like get out right in the current and things just make sense and scripture verses are alive and like I'm so convicted and like it's a tangible takeaway and I'm like yes the Lord God is real um, <laughs> um, so yeah so prayer is a priority um, if we want to be transformed we want this inner transformation prayer is something we, we, we got to take seriously um, and it's not something that I'm here to like badger you about or nag you about because you've all heard this before it's something I'd encourage you to take seriously and dig into and say, Where does, how does this work? If it's not working, talk to someone about it, right? Because as every life is the same, every successful Christian life, person can tell you, this is it. This is worth it. And if you're not experiencing it, there's something off that you can actually like learn from and actually experience the current. The current is for all of us. Um, so the elements of prayer life, um, there's like there's six things here, but just say quickly, like, Praise and thanksgiving. This isn't a checklist. This is not a checklist. These are elements for a prayer we have. Praise and thanksgiving, examination of conscience, repentance, um, intercession and petition, scripture reading, spiritual reading, and the same for the Lord. Um, I think we talked about, I heard the talk about liturgical, we have liturgical spirituality. Scripture should be the center of our personal prayer. So if we're in a season, it's okay to have a spiritual book for a bit, then we should always be returning to scripture. Actually, scripture should be part of our daily routine. Actually, devouring the word and being in Alright. That was key. Uh, next one is wisdom. How the Lord transforms our minds and teaches us and imparts to us his own wisdom. If you have here 1 Corinthians, I won't read it, um, but it's good to dig into. Again, how the Lord actually imparts wisdom to us. And then it comes to us with brothers and sisters. I know from my life for a while, like I would just talk about people kind of freely. One day someone's like, hey, you know that's like that's gossip, right? And I was like, oh, snap. No, I didn't. That we're just kind of like talking about people that, in the community that we love. It's like, yeah, that's kind of their business, and you're kind of bringing it to the light. It's like, wow, I didn't know that. That was really helpful. Wisdom, right? So, wisdom can come through prayer, through our experience of the Lord, but also from one another as we go through Christ. And the last one, uh, the fourth one here is training. The Lord trains us like a father trains his sons and daughters. And I love this Hebrew stuff. You should really dig into Hebrews. What's before this in Hebrews, one is 11, which Kara has entirely memorized. So, memorized? Yeah, um, but Hebrews 12, beginning Hebrews 12 is like, right, let us run with perseverance, race, set, set force, keep your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, perfect, and perfect. Really good stuff. And then he goes into actually, have you forgotten the, ex- the exhortation which addressed to his sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Don't lose courage when you are punished by him. The Lord disciplines whom he loves, and chastises every son whom he receives. And that sounds really harsh to us, like discipline. But his discipline is training. The same, like, he's, he's allowed us to experience the consequences of our actions sometimes. It's simply what it is. So that we can choose better. So that we can choose him and understand that actually, like, when we do that, um, we reap what we sow. So the Lord changes in two main ways. He uses events of our lives, specifically difficult ones, to train us. But he also puts 
other people over us for formation. So we're talking like older brothers and sisters in the house, I was talking about pastoral leader, talking about smaller leader, uh, mentor, who you look up to in your life actually can help form you and train you in the discipline of the Lord. What a gift that we have. Last one is imitation, right? Therefore, be imitators of God's beloved children, walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself up for us, break an offering and sacrifice to God. Um, we get good at something by doing it over and over again. And household and this whole community is a great gift because you have older brothers and sisters you can imitate, right? Who are a couple steps forward. It doesn't mean you need to be like them in every aspect of the personality. It just means you can say, hey, that trait right there, I respect. I think I want to take that. That's a good thing. It doesn't mean we only like dress like Daniel Rich. We can look at an aspect of his life and be like, that's cool. I want to take that on. Right? You do dress well. Um, good. Um, yeah. So that's it. That was a lot. And again, the point of this is not to get, like, like there maybe some things we're sticking out, but the point of here is to dig in. As a house, as a small group, personal prayer, like, Lord, what are you doing here? As we're starting out this year, how are you unfolding and deepening my identity and my purpose? How are you revealing that to me in a new way? How are you bringing about transformation in my life? Maybe an entire prayer time can be devoted to, like, reflecting on that question of, Lord, how have you, how has your power changed my heart? Like, I know one time in my life I was at this retreat, I was in high school. Early high school, so I wasn't like living for the Lord. But we were playing basketball, like something bad happened, and we were like, at that time, I would have like we dropped like like cursed, and they uh, like didn't have the desire to curse. And I was like, that's weird. It was like the first time in my life I experienced that God could like change me in tears. I was like, about that retreat, like didn't act on it, nothing changed. But that was like that stuck with me. So I was like, God, you can like change how I operate, right? And sometimes He does that. Right? Sometimes it's like more a longer process, but sometimes it's just instantaneous of like, I'm not like jealous anymore. Like actually I'm more peaceful in this relationship. Thank you, Lord. That's awesome. And that kind of stuff can happen. Um, so what we're going to is this glorious liberty of the children of God. Us together, like taking steps, um, holding each other up, supporting one another in the joy of the Lord that he has for us this year. So excited to go with you guys. Um, can't wait to see how we dig in. I'm going to invite Renee really quick to kind of give us a little testimony on this. Uh, if you don't know Renee, um, <laughs> you probably ever does. Uh, you're a campus minister. I've known Renee for a while. I actually first met her sister, who was a missionary brother of hope before we, like, SPO came together. Um, and I can attest, uh, you got some good parents, because I know you and her, because pretty generous and generous people. So, Renee's a new campus minister. Um, and what we were doing this year, I'll say, is grabbing formation service team to serve kind of quick testimonies at the end to kind of piece things together for us. One, you've known them better, and two, they're a fountain of wisdom for us, and the Lord speaks to them. So. Especially at other campuses that I've been at and here, just like what the Lord is doing here to be part of it. I'm very grateful. Um, so a quick testimony of identity um, of kind of different moments, right? And the different ways the Lord has actually revealed really what it means to have your identity be revealed and how to live in it. So um, just a little snapshot. Like I'm kind of like witnesses within a witness in this, but um uh, lived a life actually not really practicing and lived a life right into the party scene. You can just go with your imagination there, just like all of what the world was offering me. 
was pretty bitter, cold-hearted, and this was during my freshman year of college, so the, the ministry at Florida State um, went on a retreat there, and I encountered the Lord in the Eucharist. I didn't know Jesus was present in the Eucharist, guys. I was like way far off, man. I was like the the Samaritan woman, like that. With that scripture is like my witness, so you can read that in more details. But um, uh, it felt like the Lord not just like encountered me, but I felt like all of the love that I was robbed of, right? All of the meaning, all of the purpose that I never found was found in him. And I was like, whoa. I remember in that chapel, I stayed there because I'm like, if I, if I leave, will like I die? Like I just like didn't understand. I was like, am I in heaven if I leave what's like beyond the door? I just like was not understanding. So, but in that moment, right, my identity was revealed. And I was like, other men and women need to know that you're worth it. And so I busted out of those doors. And I wasn't sunshine and rainbows, brothers and sisters, from that. It was like a hot mess of me. Not just like opening the door of like, oh, and now I know my identity. But it was the opening the door of the corridors in which God was like, I'll speak your identity there. In the place where the shame is the most, I'll speak your identity there. Or the darkness or the sin, right? So it's this outpouring of this continual way and I think it was easy for me to be like yes but like I, I remember the Lord at that tiny little wooden chapel at that retreat and I can go and do this and he can do that in my heart but actually I was letting myself be I was turning away from the Lord right and my understanding and living my identity because I was like well he's shown it to me so now I'm going to prove it to him Right? So I, I went out, and yes, the Lord was working on her, but I was going, I'm like, I'm going to prove my place. And essentially, I was running around like an orphan trying to make sure that she like belonged in the home, you know? Um, and so there's there was this like theme in my heart of I just like kept understanding the, the Lord speaking to me in my identity, but I just had this tendency, well, I must prove it. And in those moments where I kept hitting that circular cycle, right? It was in those moments where the Lord continually showed me it's not, it's not about doing, it's about being, being a daughter, being a son, right? So that was like one aspect of my identity, right? It, it, it took this like continual, it's this day-to-day -day reminder that I had to not just like receive from the Lord and be like, see you later and bust out the doors again. But what does it mean for the Lord to remain in me? And for me to see my circumstances and for me to see my experiences and relationships and even my weaknesses out of my identity, right? Because if we see our weaknesses not out of our identity, we are orphans. Like we're the, the orphans that are just like scrounging around trying to prove themselves, right? But like actually a daughter knows her place and is confident even in her weaknesses, right? So um, there is also a time in, in me trying to figure out my identity where I was like captivated. I'm like walking, you know, the faith life just like this spiritually. Yeah. <laughs> Stop me up on you. Yeah. Um, and I remember it became this transition where I was really confronted with my woundedness. I was really confronted with the deep areas that he wanted to bring healing in that I'm like, oh, we were not going to ever go there. <laughs> like, I'm okay, Lord. Like, I'm good. I'm, I'm like a missionary now. I'm in Boston. I'm killing it. And he's like, no, you're not. <laughs> because you cannot do anything outside of my love. And it's all crap if it's not in. 
I'm serious. Like it really goes back. Okay. And I experienced that. So I think there was this like a day-to-day -day reminder that Lord, I have to return and understand my daughterhood, my sonship, because then if I do encounter my weakness, or if the Lord's inviting me to, to heal, then I can see like, Lord, you're possible because you're the father and you have a hand on it, not me. So that was this kind of like continuing, what does it mean for me to like come back to the well, essentially? What did it mean for me to not just come back to like the encounter that I experienced at that wooden chapel, but the encounter that's like immovable, right? So it was this, I had to understand that what I experienced in the chapel was there all along and that I could live there and I could live there and I can love and I can serve and I can receive there. So, amen. <laughs>